Okay, it's time to commit. 2024 is the year for prioritizing yourself. Begin your new smile journey with Byte, and you could start seeing results in just two to three weeks. Just order your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95 at Byte.com. Byte Clear Aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces. Plus, they offer financing options, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA, FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot Start your confidence journey today with Byte. Hi there, it's Julia Louis-Dreyfus. You may know me from my podcast called Wiser Than Me, where I talk to older women and get their wisdom from the front lines of life. I was amazed by how many people told me our show made them look forward to getting older, which is why I'm here to talk about season two of the show. Sally Field, Billie Jean King, Beverly Johnson, Ina Garten, Bonnie Ray, just to name a few. All hail old women. Wiser Than Me season two is out now from Lemonada Media. Ah. The comfort of your favorite seat is now your comfy car selling command center. Thanks to Carvana. It doesn't get any better than this. Your favorite seat's the best spot in the house. Make it even better by entering your license plate or VIN and getting a real offer in minutes. There really is no place like home. And speaking of home, Carvana will pick up your car from yours after you finalize your offer. Visit Carvana.com or download the app and sell your car from your comfy place. What's up, everybody? Welcome to this episode of True Crime and Fairy Tales the show where we discuss true crime fairy tales. As always, I am your host, Lauren Ash. And as always, I am joined by my co-hostess with the most S, Christy Oxborough. How are you doing over there? I'm great. I'm excited to be here. First time. Yeah. Not the first time on the show, but the first time on this show. So I, I'm living for it. Listen, this, this is the inaugural episode, True Crime and Fairy Tales. And I could not be more excited. I have done the research. I stirred the batter. Yeah. And uh, I'm excited because I know that you don't know a lot about this case. I don't know. I mean, I've heard the name, uh, but that's about it. Well, listen, I live to give. This is what we do. And we're so glad. um, This is, of course, a Patreon exclusive. We're so glad that you're here. um, And we hope to maybe enlighten some of you about uh, a case that I feel like doesn't get enough attention, if I'm being honest. I could not be more excited. Bless it. Well, I think we should just jump right in because I do have a lot of notes. Big surprise. Ash has a lot of notes. (laughs) Um, But welcome again, True Crime and Fairy Tales. We're going to get right into it. So today we're going to be discussing a particularly twisted case. This is the case, of course, of Ariel, Princess of Atlantica, also known as the Little Mermaid. And I will warn you, Some of what I'm going to describe may be disturbing to some listeners, so please take this as a trigger warning. So, daughter of King Triton and Queen Athena, Ariel is the youngest of the couple's seven children, all daughters. Aquata, Andrina, Arista, Atina, Adela, Alana, and Ariel. A lot of estrogen. Um, There is debate about what the exact order of the daughters are in terms of age. So please don't quote me if you've heard that that order is incorrect. Don't hold me to it. The important information that people need to know is that Ariel is for sure the youngest of the seven daughters. Mm. Mm-hmm. Okay. So Ariel's parents, King Triton and Queen Athena, were friends since childhood. Oh, 
Yes. Described as best friends. Isn't that cute? Oh, that's lovely. I know. That's so my girl, you know? Right. I like that. I never would have thought as of King Triton as, as a Macaulay Culkin, but it does feel like it tracks potentially. <laughs> yeah. Right? Yeah. So Queen Athena was known for her beautiful singing voice and a love of music. King Triton was known for being deeply in love with Athena. And what I like about that is that this is an independent woman and a man whose only interest is her. <laughs> Which is kind of my personal preference in terms of a relationship Relationships. dynamic. <laughs> yeah. You know? Yeah, I get that. I, I just like that it's like, these are her hobbies. These are her interests. These are things she likes. His, literally her is every column of that pretty much um i respect that uh the passion that's there yeah and some may say it's sad i say it's really beautiful i think it's beautiful and you know what i love i love a man that loves his wife you know what i mean yes i love a man that genuinely and has no qualms about telling anybody that he loves his wife Yes, Kurt Russell Goldenhawn. Oh, yes, because I also see those men as being safe for me. Because I'm somebody yes. who like, I don't ever like to, I don't ever want to make anybody feel uncomfortable. No. So if I become friends with like a couple, I'm always going to defer and like message the woman. Of course. You know what I mean? Like I just, it's it's yeah. my own thing. Um, But if I'm working with someone, for example. Yeah an actor and I know how devoted he is to his wife and is very genuine, then I feel safe with that person. This is because a lot of men hit on me. Anyway, um, back to the case, (laughs) (laughs) but truly all jokes aside, I think it's serious couple goals with these two. A hundred percent. Again, being basically not even like high school age sweethearts, but like childhood sweethearts. I mean, that's just so cute. That's, That's really beautiful. So one year, it's their wedding anniversary. It's unclear how many years they had been married at that point. I couldn't find specific sourcing on that. But what I do know is that Ariel was five at the time. And she is the youngest. So they'd been together for some time at this point. Were any of the daughters like twins or were they like just consecutive births? Great question. You know what? I'm not 100% sure on that. I should look into that, but I do think it was consecutive births. I might be wrong, Oof. but I, I, I think it was. Yeah. Yikes. Yeah. Good but I think, yeah, I mean, right. But I think that that's also like indicative. Now, listen, I don't know how traditional or non-traditional their marriage was, but they, if they did get married before they started having kids, they've been together for a while now married. Yeah. And to that point, they've also been best friends since childhood. So they've been together for basically their whole lives at this point. That is a good point. Right. Um, So this year, Triton decides to give Athena a special gift. He has a special music box made as the anniversary gift and it plays their song. Their song. I know their song is a song called endless sky. And it is a song that was like very significant to them. They use it as a lullaby with each one of their daughters. Oh, Um, okay. So sweet. Right. Mm -hmm. And so he's very excited to give her this gift. She loves this gift. Um, They're having a little anniversary party. Now, I do have to say 
There are conflicting reports about where exactly the party was happening. Some say it was in a cove. Others say it was a lagoon. I don't know where to land on that debate, quite honestly. Fair. The point is, is that they were gathered with all of their daughters and some of their other mer friends. So out of nowhere, they're minding their own business. They come under attack by pirates, literally out of nowhere. <sighs> Most of the mer people managed to escape safely. Triton himself carries Ariel, Arista, Aquata, and Adela to safety, four of them. Wow. I know. Andrina and Alana dive into the water and swim to safety themselves. Atina, however, unfortunately got her tail stuck between two rocks. So Queen Athena swam over, was able to free her, and then in the moment went to save the music box, which is this beautiful gift that Triton has just given her. Mm -hmm. And unfortunately, Queen Athena was very tragically crushed to death by the pirate ship. Oh, my God. Yeah. Did this pirate ship have any sort of a captain? Well, that's debatable because the pirates claim that it was an accident, that it was never their intention to kill her, that they just lost control of the boat. They didn't intend to crush her. I don't know how true or false that is. Um, mm. Their ship did apparently sink. So it feels like it could have been an accident, like maybe like a robbery gone wrong. That is possible. It could have also been, and I apologize, I don't, I can't think of any other way to, to say this, but it could have been a suicide mission. <laughs> I'm so sorry. Uh-huh. I don't know. Like if they're trying to take her out. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. Here's and the, the ship other went down. The ship went down, but here's the Was other thing. Was it full of any gadgets or gizmos? A plenty. Here's the other thing. Mm-hmm. Some sources say that all of the pirates died in the incident. But to that, I ask, how would any of them have been able to comment on the fact that it was an accident? If they all died, then who's making this comment saying, oh, it was an accident. We didn't mean to crush her. Oh, that's a good point. Right? Interesting. So that doesn't add up at all. But I think that that also speaks to like, just the very conflicted sources that you come across when you really start to dig into this case, because right. believe me, this case, you think for people who maybe have some knowledge, they think maybe that it's one thing, but let me tell you, when you start to dig into it, there is a lot more than you expect. So Queen Athena's death leaves King Triton completely devastated. Again, this is his best friend since childhood, his everything. As a result, he manages to somehow get the music box that she was trying to oh. save and died in the mm -hmm. process. He throws it into the ocean. He wants nothing to do with it. Oh. He then bans music from Atlantica oh. forever. <gasps> like no more music. Loose. Like it's literally footloose, but but thin loose. <laughs> well, wow. Why yep. when tragedy strikes is the first thing to go things that make you happy? Well, buckle in because he makes a few more choices that shocked the hell out of me. Oh. So he bans music forever. He forbids all mer people from having any contact with humans and the land above. 
And then he starts to raise his daughters very strictly. And I was like, okay, this is something I keep reading in multiple sources, but I'm like, what exactly does that mean? Sure. And let me tell you, I found out. Oh, and it's bleak. Oh, no. He hires a governess named Marina Del Rey to seemingly do the bulk of the parenting. He decides that from the time of Queen Athena's death, he will only see his daughters once a day to take a morning walk together. And he kept referring to it as a walk, which was odd to me because it's technically a swim. I mean, they don't have legs, but anyway. Yeah, I was going to question how he threw something into the ocean when he already is there. So I just assume he threw it even further. Yeah, I don't know whether it was like, it must have been up and out of the water because it's hard to throw underwater. It is. It is. Yeah. But but, but anyway, um, so Triton wants them to do the same thing every day, which is basically they take this short, quote, walk together in silence. And it's not up for discussion. Um, so on, on one morning, on one occasion, this happens every morning. On one occasion, Ariel suggests they do something different. She's bored for 10 years. Every morning, the only time they see him is for this very short, silent walk, and that's it. Okay. So she suggests they do something different, and it did not go over well with her father, King Triton. He was very offended, did not take kindly to the suggestion, basically shot it down in a way that felt like a bit of an overreaction. You know what Mm. I mean? Like, it was like, okay, you don't have to like what she's saying, but you also don't have to be, like, super aggressive. Sure. So that same, they go on the walk that same day. She loses the battle. Fine. Ariel, who's, you know, a kid, she's like 15 at the time, you know, but she's had a rather sheltered upbringing since she was five. Um, She's feeling like she's in a playful mood. She's bored. She doesn't want to do this. So she takes a piece of seaweed and kind of innocuously just tickles her sister with the seaweed. Siblings, kids. Of course. You have kids. Yes. Right? Yes. King Triton proceeds to lose his mind at her, screams at her, and then as a punishment, makes her do manual labor for the rest of the day. Wow. He's like, you're on barnacle duty and basically makes her like chip barnacles off of these like pole things for the rest of the day because she tickled her sister with seaweed. Oh, come on. I mean, I'm sorry, but that to me, again, and we'll get into, we'll get into more about him and that, but that to me just feels like a big overreaction. It wasn't like they were even like getting into trouble or causing that much of a ruckus. Red flag. I'll say to me, red flag. So even though King Triton banned all of the music forever, Ariel and her sisters inherited their mother's love and talent for music. So at one point around this time, Ariel is around 15. Like I said, Triton catches the daughters, all of the seven sisters listening to music. Oh, he locks them up in the palace, basically turning their bedrooms into prison cells. Oh my God. Yeah. Because they listened to music one time after 10 years with no music. So it's not like, you know what I mean? Like it was like, it's been 10 years. They, they, they cheated once 
And then all of a sudden he's like, you're forbidden to leave. You're basically prisoners in your own home. And there was a group of other sea creatures who had been playing the music live with them. He throws them all in like a dungeon. Wow. Yeah. I no didn't warnings. Think there would be a dungeon. I didn't either. And I was like, this feels like an extreme reaction, especially after now, a decade. Is this palace somewhat like phallic shaped? Here's the thing. I yeah. never saw any photos of the outside of it. Oof. Okay. I know. I just get a really strong, like phallic vibe from Triton. Yes, I do mm-hmm. too. And I think that later, later on, I think that, I think you're onto something because I do think that he was in a place that kind of looked like that. But at this time, right. I, I couldn't find any pictures of the exteriors. I will say that the inside was very bleak especially of that dungeon. Oh. Yeah. So eventually, this is, the, this is the even wilder part. So after all of that, after all that punishment, all that effort, eventually he allows music back. Just like flips the switch. Flips the switch. Ah, oh, well, it's so, almost as though that little incident with his daughters reminded him of how much he missed music. Well, what happens is Ariel happens to find the music box. She escapes. She doesn't want to be kept in her room. Of course. Finds the music box and tries to bring it back to him just to, to remind him, like, remember how, how amazing our lives used to be when mom was alive and music and whatever? And then that does inspire him to allow them to have music back in Atlantica, which again, the band had been lasting for 10 years. Um wow. But then, this is what's interesting to me. So you've banned all music of all forms for 10 years. Yeah. And then you switch so far that you're allowing your daughters to start singing publicly as like a random girl group. And not only are they performing publicly as a girl group, but they're singing a song. Their main song is called Daughters of Triton. Oh my God, come on. I mean, doesn't that feel like I'm sorry, but I just don't feel like that makes you not seem like a narcissist. Oh, he's absolutely a narcissist. It's like, oh, you can sing again, but it has to be about me. I don't know. Oh. That just seemed, I don't know. It just, again, red flag. I'm, I'm maybe that's, building what, a maybe case. that's a yellow flag, yeah. but again, yes, exactly. I'm laying it out. I'm laying it out. Now it should also be noted that Ariel looks extremely similar to her mother, Athena. Oh boy. More than any of the other sisters. I am talking, I would go so far as to say it's almost creepy. Oh no. Identical. They also wear the same color shells, which feels odd. Could it be that she's wearing shells passed down from her mother? I have to believe that that's what it is, but it's just weird because it's like, why aren't you wearing ones passed down from your other from your six older sisters? Yeah, it just feels point. like are you trying to look like her? Are you being dressed to look like her? I don't know. Oh, I interesting. Know. I don't know. Yeah, I just it's just again, I'm not speculating anything. I'm just giving you the facts. Um there it has been speculation that Triton was like extra protective of her because she looked so much like Athena and that maybe subconsciously Yay. that was a factor yeah. mixed with the fact that she was the youngest. 
again. Oh, that's just a recipe for disaster. Yeah. So flash forward to the next year. Ariel's 16. At this time in her life, she had become fascinated by the human world. Okay. So we know that now Triton has brought music back, but he is still forbidding any people in Atlantica from having any connection to humans or even just going to the surface of the water. That is forbidden. Cross the oh. board. Yeah. So Ariel's fascinated by the human world, completely bored by underwater life. She wants to know what it's like up on land, and she dreams of living up there as a human herself. Her best friends were a fish named Flounder and a seagull named Scuttle. Now, Ariel's relationship with Flounder, I'm going to say it, toxic at best. Oh, no. She wouldn't respect his boundaries. You know, she shamed him when he would communicate he wasn't comfortable doing something. She'd call him names. She manipulated him into doing things that she wanted to do, even when he said he wasn't comfortable. To me, I just don't think it's a super healthy friendship. That being said, I also feel like she could have been recreating a dynamic with Flounder that her father had with her. Interesting. Okay. Yeah. You know what I mean? That makes sense. I mean, at times you're just a product of your own environment. So if yeah. that's what you, if you see that sort of behavior time and time again, you just think that's how things should be. Exactly. Exactly. Now scuttle. Yeah. I'm just going to come out and say it. He is either an expert gaslighter or a pathological liar. Oh no. Because okay. Literally everything he tells Ariel about humans is just false. Oh. Wrong. He just gives her the wrong information. Now, I don't want to speculate on the why with Scuttle. You know what I mean? Sure. He's just not trustworthy, in my opinion. Is it possible that he's, that he's working on behalf of Triton, saying negative things to keep Ariel away from the humans because humans are how her mother died? Well, and he's trying to avoid that. Here's the thing. It isn't necessarily that he's speaking negatively about the humans. It's that he's just giving her false information. Okay. So he'll, he'll tell her that like a certain item has a different name or he'll refer to something by a word that's made up. Oh, okay. And then it's like, what does he get out of that? I mean, is it possible um, that he's just not, overly bright i think that is a possibility i might be giving him too much credit i don't know it's possible i mean it is also possible that there's something he's trying to manipulate her in some way in i think it could be a manipulation unless i'm also here's the other thing i should also say i don't know that english is his first language i don't know okay. if she speaks bird Right. I don't know if there's maybe like a communication breakdown happening. So maybe Lost in translation sure. could be, it could be, I don't know. Hmm. Now Ariel's favorite pastime was collecting human artifacts, which she kept in her grotto. Anything humans discarded became her treasures, which basically means she collected garbage and kept it on display, which is really sad when you think about it. I mean, 
would you consider any of it to be like a who's it or a what's it? She did. Of course she did. Well, is like she, she was there when her mother was attacked by humans. So I find it fascinating that she was so fascinated by humans. She was there, but there's no confirmation that she saw it. Interesting. She may have, but there's no confirmation that she did. Right. Because Triton got her out of there. It's possible she did, but it's also possible that she didn't. And I don't know. He, he, he shielded them so much. I don't know how much she even really knows about that situation. She was five at the time. That is a good point. And like after, did she still at this point have this nanny? Was there anyone in her life who was trying to like keep her in line? Well, this is the thing. The nanny was around until she was 15. Yeah. And then the nanny like went crazy with power suddenly wanting Sebastian's position. I'll get to Sebastian in a minute. Um, Sebastian was a crab that was basically like King Triton's like number one, like right-hand man, right-hand crab, whatever. Sure. Um, Right claw man. Right claw man. Thank you. Um, But she just kind of like had a bit of a breakdown and then faded away. But isn't it also interesting that Ariel was the youngest at 15 and Triton still had a, na- a full-time nanny caring for all of those girls. Yeah. The, is there the an- oldest would have been in her 20s. Is there another reason he wanted the nanny around? Like, is this a sound of music situation? No. Obviously without the music because they weren't allowed. But like, was he into no, the nanny? And he was not into her. So he just specifically didn't trust his daughters to live their own lives as adults. Correct. And he didn't seem to be interested in parenting them in any way. He wanted to like give some discipline and that was about it. So he's interested in the negative emotions, but not in any of the positive ones. Pretty much. Wow. So, you know, the other thing I should say about Scuttle now that I'm thinking about this too Because when you think about like Ariel is collecting human trash and keeping it like it's the hope diamond. Sure. Which is sad. Maybe Scuttle was trying to make things sound like they were more valuable and important than they were to like be supportive of her. Like, I don't know. Maybe I've misinterpreted him. You know, she's hoarding trash because it gives her hope for a better life. And maybe he's trying to help her dream that dream. I don't know. Yeah, that could be. It just is the saddest thing I've ever heard to me that it's like literally something that somebody threw away and is like holds so much value to her. You know, it's just so sad. Um, so there's this big all hail King Triton musical review show that all seven daughters are set to perform. Um, of course, they're performing the Daughters of Triton number and it's going to be Ariel's public singing debut. Wow. But during the show, it's time for her entrance and she is nowhere to be found. Oh, no. Triton, of course, immediately jumps to anger. Now, I'm personally, I know I don't have children, but I would be worried that maybe something happened to my child. I don't know that I would immediately go to anger. Yeah, I would like to think your initial reaction would be concern of where they are as opposed to 
how come you're not singing about me? Right? We're all here celebrating me. Why aren't you here celebrating me? Yeah, exactly. Um, mm. And the truth is, is that she was kind of in danger at the time. At the time, she was searching a sunken ship for those sad human artifacts that I was referencing that she collects with Flounder, her sad best friend. Yeah. And after narrowly escaping being eaten by a shark, they swim oh. to the surface to show Scuttle the things that she had found. And that's when Ariel realized, oops, I was supposed to be performing in my father's propaganda show for the first time. And she, of course, swims home. Right. So when Triton finds out that Ariel missed the praise be to King Triton show because she was at the surface talking to Scuttle, he yells at her in a way, in my opinion, too harsh. That's my opinion. Right. Um, as she swam away, Triton is very distraught. And so he checks in with his advisor, of course, his, his right claw man, uh, the crab Sebastian, asking if he was too hard on her. And I just want to say, like, if you have to ask if you were too hard on your kid, you were probably yeah. too hard on them. Yeah. I also um, have the question, is it possible the ship that she was searching was the pirate ship from the beginning? Could have been. That sunk. I mean. Could have been. That's disturbing to think about revisiting the crime scene of your We're, mother's death. And not even knowing. Oh. Yeah. It's overwhelming when you start to unpack it. You know what I mean? Yeah. So Sebastian basically says, you know, that he, uh, you know, he advises Triton. Sorry. I, there it is. I feel like Sebastian is probably scared of Triton because Triton is like a huge guy and Sebastian is a tiny crab. So I get it. Of course. But this is the direct quote of Sebastian's. So Triton is basically like, oh, I don't know. Was I too harsh? Was I, you know, too much? Yeah. This is what Sebastian says. If Ariel was my daughter, I'd show her who was boss. None of this oh. flitting to the surface and all that such nonsense. No, sir. I'd keep her under tight control. Oof. That paints a picture for what Sebastian is like. I mean, assuming he's not just, uh, you know, trying to suck up and being like, nope, this is exactly how I would do it. Yeah, and I have no idea. I don't know anything about that. It's a great point. But to me, it's just like, you can also say like, no, you were fine. Like, why take it that extra level? Why not say like, oh, no, sir, you were totally in the right. Not a problem. Why be like, not only go were further. You yeah, because guess what? It inspired Triton to go further. Maybe Sebastian is sadistic and enjoyed seeing the girls punish over the years. Maybe he missed watching the, the manual labor scraping barnacles. I think that that is more than possible. And I have no background on like, where did Sebastian come from? Like, what's his backstory? I, right. I did a background search and I couldn't find anything. Interesting. So then it makes you wonder, is Sebastian his real name? It can't be. It can't be. Wow. 
right? That feels like, especially if you come out of nowhere and you're super harsh towards the girls, especially the youngest one, what's your game is my question. What is your game? Mm, Yeah. So at this point, Triton decides, inspired by Sebastian, that Ariel needs constant supervision, that she's never allowed to be alone again. So Triton tasks Sebastian with that job, which to your point, like, can you trust him? How well do you know him? I mean, again, we don't even know if it's his real name. How much do you know about him? I would be shocked if that's his real name. Truly. Mm -hmm. Truly. So, as we know, I've already stated it. Triton forbids contact between merpeople, humans. You can't even go to the surface of the water. I do also want to acknowledge he speaks about humans in some extremely derogatory terms. He was known to refer to humans as, and these are his words, not mine. So don't come for me. Um, He has been known to refer to humans as fish eaters, for example. Okay. Again, those are his words. Yeah. But Ariel is obsessed with humans. All she can talk about is wanting to go up on land, how she wants legs, how she wants more than anything to be a part of that other world. But why? I think it says a lot that one of the examples that she was once quoted as giving about human life being so amazing was that humans, quote, don't reprimand their daughters. There it is. She wants freedom. She just wants to be out from under the tyrant, if I may. And uh, to her, the furthest she can think of to get away is land. Yeah. And I think she's built it up to be almost like this fantasy that she can obsess over. Right? I know I like to write a story. You like to write a story? Absolutely. Absolutely. I think that is a direct coping mechanism for the trauma and the toxic relationship that she has with her father. Wow. I, I want nothing more than for her to get away, get to the surface, maybe find somebody hot, move on with her life. Well, listen, Blanche has got a Blanche. I know Blanche has loved other people blanching, but buckle in because It's a bumpy ride. So the same day that she has gotten in trouble, Sebastian is tasked with watching over her. Right. Ariel happens to catch a glimpse of a passing ship above and just immediately swims to it. Like it just almost like it's, it's bigger than her. You know what I mean? She just goes, she's drawn to people. Yep. She just goes, she Mm -hmm. breaches the surface of the water. Like it's nothing. She sees fireworks coming from the ship And instead of scaring her like a moth to the flame, they just draw her closer to the boat. Sebastian is is with her and is begging her to please stop. She will not listen. She just swims closer and closer to the ship. And what she's actually witnessing on that ship is a celebration for one Prince Eric's 18th birthday. Now, a little bit about Prince Eric. Despite being royalty, Eric is an accomplished mariner 
who would often partake in various duties aboard ships in his own fleet, making him emblematic of being a merchant prince. Eric is also displayed to be a skilled helmsman, meaning he was able to steer ships himself. And I'm pretty wow. sure that that is rare for a royal right. to be that good at doing that kind of work. Wow. Um, also a dog lover, he was often flanked oh. by his sheepdog, Max. And oh. at this time in history, the kingdom was anxiously awaiting Prince Eric to get married. He had already turned down one princess as a prospective bride, saying he was still waiting to meet the right person. A hopeless romantic, Prince Eric was picky, but for the right reasons, because he just wanted his 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 person. He wanted his one true love, which I think is actually quite beautiful. That's really lovely. Yeah. That's lovely. And he's like, I'm not going to settle. I'm not just going to let you pair me up with anybody. He wants a connection. I think it's really beautiful that he's not going to be pushed around by the kingdom. He's not, he's going to put his heart before his crown. Thank you. And also very evolved for an 18 year old boy. A hundred percent. Right. I mean, he didn't, he didn't say he wasn't betting everything in the kingdom. <laughs> he was just saying he wasn't, he wasn't locking down his heart. Male Blanche got a Blanche. You know what I mean? <laughs> yes. Yes. So Prince Eric's birthday party is underway. Ariel sets eyes on him and bam, she has immediately fallen madly in love with him. But you should, oh. keep, in, you should keep in mind, this is literally the first person she has ever seen in real life. Oh, wow. The first human so, person. Yeah. So does he live up? To any sort of like human that we might be like, oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. Or is he just like average as a human? Like how he, I would say he's pretty above average. He's gone. Oh, you know, like a lot of kind of like thick black hair, but like a piercing blue eye. Okay. He's built because again, he works on ships. So he's like, he's, he's a, he's a more muscular kind of type. Right. As long, I mean, as long as he wears a button down, because I've always found a button down to be really. He does. Oh, well, okay. He's kind of like a beefed up Jared Leto with black hair. Okay. As long as he's Jared Leto and not Jordan Catalano, then I wish Ariel the best. Right. Yeah. But again, you know, this is the the first human she's ever even seen in person. Yes. So, you know, some people may say, oh, that's sweet. That's love at first sight. I say that's a potential sign of a mental health issue. Sure. You know? Yeah. In, in Ariel's case specifically, I do think she may have a mix of OCD and BPD. Wow. Now, okay. what are those and why do I think she has them? I'm going to tell you. Of course. Most mental health professionals believe that borderline personality disorder or BPD is caused by a combination of inherited or internal biological factors and external environmental factors, such as traumatic experiences that occur in childhood. Uh Research, mm -hmm, Research does indicate that there is a relationship between child, sorry, between child abuse and BPD as people with BPD report high rates of childhood sexual abuse, emotional abuse, and or 
physical abuse. There is also evidence to link BPD to other forms of child maltreatment, such as emotional and physical neglect. In fact, some research suggests that emotional and physical neglect may be even more closely related to the development of BPD than physical or sexual abuse. Wow. And I don't need to tell you who was emotionally neglecting her. Mm-hmm. Well, who was also, yeah, exactly. He, King Triton completely emotionally neglected those kids after Athena for died. For a decade. For a decade. And like right after they lose their mother, it, I, I, I mean, I say I get, but I don't get, but like, I understand that how difficult of a time that is for you, but as a mother, yeah, you, you would need, you need to step up and be there for your kids. Yes. What they're going through. I mean, yep. So we know that after Athena's death, Triton changed completely. His personality completely changed. He locked down the entire community. He controlled where all mer people were allowed to go, forbid all music for 10 years. And in terms of his daughters, he was known to be quick to anger, wanted to control all of their choices, spent very little time with them, had harsh punishments for minor incidents, and he was extremely reactive when trying to teach them a lesson. Mm. It doesn't feel to me like any of the daughters got the support they needed from him when their mother died. He just became very strict, very cold, handed them over to a nanny or a Mm. governess, however you want to label her. I do think that these are signs that emotional abuse and certainly emotional neglect were present for Ariel and her sisters. So of course I wanted to do some research about the traits of, of emotionally abusive parents and then see how I thought Triton added up. Sure. So these are the traits that I feel he has. Number one, the child's emotions were invalidated. That happens all the time. Uh huh. She would communicate to him, can we try something different? I'd like to do something different. No. I want to do this. Wow. No. Okay. Right? The parent is emotionally manipulative. There are times, and I haven't gotten to these in my notes yet, but there are times where he'll basically come and say, I'm a very reasonable person, and then fly off the handle. So it's like, are you? Like, that's, to me, that's, quite manipulative. Yeah. The parent places inappropriate expectations on the child. I think there's, he has these expectations that they're going to fall in line, be perfect, basically be his little soldiers, do exactly what he wants to do. And if they fall out of line by a, by a millimeter, they're getting these crazy manual labor type punishments. Like that's, I don't think that's normal or right. It's, it's like to, to think that a kid that you expect them to not even put like a fin out of place feels like that's outrageous expectation for a child. Right. And to take away the thing they love the most and something that would bring joy and don't let them have music for a decade. I mean, and then it's like, you listen to music. I'm going to basically put you in a prison. Like that's a harsh harsh reaction for a first-time offense oh absolutely we've had we've talked about cases that have had 
worse offenses and gotten no punishment at all. Right. And this, I wouldn't even say that she did anything wrong. It just. Yeah. I mean, he needs to keep his emotions in check. Yeah. The next three to me, I think he has all of these and I don't even need to explain. The first is the parent doesn't apologize. He doesn't. Nope. The next, the parent isolates the child. We know that he did that when he, he, again, again and again. And then the final one, and this is the one that chilled me to my core. Yeah. The parent is just plain terrifying. And I'd say that his behavior with those kids, specifically Ariel, and the way he he's yelled at her and screamed at her over little things, especially when he's such a large man. Yes, he's huge compared to her. I mean, I just feel like between the trauma of losing your mother at such an, a young age, and again, like yeah. I said before, she could have witnessed it. She could have seen it. I don't know. Right. But adding that into the mix... And then having your remaining parent change on a dime to a complete 180, yeah. completely become this domineering taskmaster who barely spends any time with you. You've just been passed off to a nanny. It, 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 to the point that it makes you want to literally escape to another world. I just think that uh, to me, there's something here. Happy children don't tend to obsess about running away to a completely different place where they would never see their families again. Do they? No. And then that is now making me wonder, was it really love at first sight or was it, hey, I find that attractive and that also looks like my ticket out of here. Really great point. Now, listen, we're going to take a very quick break because there's so much more to get through on this episode of True Crime and Fairy Tales. Um, And frankly, I need to hit the can. So stay tuned. We'll be right back with more True Crime and Fairy Tales, Ariel, Princess of Atlantica. That's not just the sound of that first sip of Morning Joe. It's the sound of someone shopping for a car on Carvana from the comfort of home. That's a good blend. It's time to take it easy, like answering some easy questions to get pre-qualified for a car in minutes. Talk about starting the morning right. Just like customizing your terms so your car fits your budget. Mm, mm, mm. Visit Carvana.com or download the app to experience car shopping the way it should be. Convenient. Comfortable. Ah. Delve into the shadows of the mind with Sleeping Dogs, a gripping murder mystery starring Academy Award winner Russell Crowe. Now available on digital. Crow portrays an ex-homicide detective, unraveling a brutal murder he can't recall. Uncovering secrets from his past, he learns a chilling truth. It's best to let sleeping dogs lie. Visit sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery to watch Sleeping Dogs, now on digital. That's sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery. Welcome back to this episode of True Crime and Fairy Tales. Of course, we are talking about the truly twisted case of Ariel, also known as the Little Mermaid. Um, I was just talking again about truly the trauma that I feel she and her sisters experienced at the hands of her father, King Triton. And also now I just want to get into why I think that she could have a dual diagnosis of OCD and and BPD. So 
I'm just going to go through very quickly some of the symptoms of BPD and why I think they apply to Ariel. First of all, impairment in identity. A person with BPD may feel non-existent or unsure about their identity or role. They may feel like they don't know who they really are as a person or what they believe in. I mean, that speaks, I mean, I feel like that's so literal. It's like, yeah, she wants so badly to be somewhere else, to be someone else. And she doesn't even know what that is. She doesn't really know anything about humans. Yeah. She's trusting the like little things that Scuttle tells her that are not true. And I just feel like that speaks to the fact that she doesn't know who she is, but she just desperately wants to be anything else, you know? Oh, that's sad. It's very sad. Um, The next is unstable relationships. People with BPD may fall in love quickly, believing that each new person is the one who will make them feel whole, only to quickly be disappointed. Relationships either seem perfect or horrible with no middle ground. I would say, I don't know, claiming to be madly in love with someone that you've only seen once for seconds to the point that you'd be willing to do anything for them could probably yeah. count in this category. And we'll get sure more into, yeah. we'll get more into that in a few minutes. But the next is impulsivity. Again, that speaks for itself. She had to go yeah. to the boat. She had just gotten in trouble. She knew she was going to get in trouble and she yeah. swam. She ignored everything. Just impulsively had to get up there. Um, And then she becomes obsessed with Prince Eric, the first human she's ever seen and does anything to try and be with him. Again, we'll get to that in a second. But again, very impulsive to me that it's just like, yep, I love him now. Yep, there's nothing in my life but him. Feels Mm. impulsive. A little soon. Quick to commit. Yeah. The next is self-destructive behaviors. Someone with BPD may actively engage in harmful, sensation-seeking behaviors, especially when they're upset. She's actively going against Triton's wishes, actively, knowing that he has a terrible temper and she gets badly punished. She also knows, again, we'll we'll get into the details about Prince Eric in a second, but she makes a deal to try and be with Prince Eric. That is extremely risky. Like, this is self-destructive behavior. Is she doing these things to, in the hopes of getting punished because any attention from her father is good, even if it's bad attention? Could be. Wow. Because she barely got any attention from him. We know right. that for the better part of a decade. Right. And she's learned if he's not going to give me positive attention... She's learned ways to at least get negative attention. So at least even in a moment, he acknowledges her, even if it's not positive, she still gets acknowledged by her father. Yeah. And that brings us seemingly, seamlessly rather to the next point, which is fear of abandonment. How does that connect? I'm going to tell you. People with BPD are terrified of being alone and being abandoned. Something as innocuous as a loved one arriving home late from work or going away from a weekend can trigger intense fear. Mm -hmm. It can prompt frantic efforts to keep the other person close. I see this with her in Flounder. Why is she forcing him to come with her when he doesn't want to? Why is she forcing him to stay? You've got to do it. Let's do it. She'll make fun of him. She'll shame him. She'll do anything to keep him close. To me, that feels like it's along these lines. 
And why? I think the answer is, of course, she has a fear of being abandoned. After her mother died, which in a sense is a non-literal abandonment. Sure. Her father just pawns her off on a stranger. Yeah. She lost two parents that day. Yeah. And then anytime she does something that he doesn't like, like the music thing, they get locked into rooms like they're jail cells. I mean, that would make anybody fear abandonment. It's like, if I do anything wrong, you're going to put me away, lock me away. Mm. To me again, I think that there's something here. Anyway, just a speculation. Um, And then the final one that speaks to me about her is feelings of emptiness. She feels like the only way her life could be good is if she alters literally her own species. And that says to me that if you feel like you have to change everything about yourself in order to be happy, literally requiring literal magic, you're trying to fill a void within. You are literally feeling empty. I would also go so far as to say, is this why she collects human garbage? Because she needs something to fill the void. Her emptiness. It's it's like you've seen my notes because that literally transitions into the next point. Yes, because that mm-hmm. transitions into why I think she doesn't only have BPD, but I also think she has OCD. Okay. Some people present with both. Patients who have both showed more frequently aggressive obsessions and hoarding and control compulsions. Oh, well, she's already proven the control compulsions. She can't stop herself. She sees the ship, she's gone. Yeah. Also, she had gadgets and gizmos aplenty. Who's it's and what's it's galore? She had 20 thingamabobs. Think about that. But guess what? What do you do with that many thingamabobs? People only need one thingamabob at most. But who cares? No big deal. She still wanted more. Oh. That's a hoarding mentality. I'm sorry. It just is. And a little known fact is people think about OCD as being obsessive hand washing, counting things, having little rituals. Sure. And that can be the case. But it can also manifest in behaviors that are like hoarding. Obsessive compulsive symptoms are also considered intrinsically related to borderline psychopathology. These symptoms are severe and characterized in BPD patients by poor insight and resistance and obsessive control evident in personal relationships. Such wow. psychopathological features of obsessive thoughts, come on, she obsesses about everything, yeah. and compulsive behaviors are the expression of a deficient sense of self and reality oh, and lack boy. of coping abilities. I'm sorry, but that's her. A hundred percent. And I'm not being judgmental here. Like, I'm not saying this, like there's something wrong with her or anything that I'm listing is something to be ashamed of or negative. I'm just trying to, because I put my psychology hat on all always. Yeah. I'm trying to find the reasons why she does what she does and she is who she is. And it's through no fault of her own. It's as a result of her upbringing and environment and traumas, but I'm sorry. That's her. It just is a hundred percent. If you have such a huge moment happen in your life 
and as like such a young, young child, and suddenly your entire world is completely upside down and you lose a parent and then the other parent just turns their back on you, you're gonna have to, you don't have anyone there to teach you anything of how to cope with anything. And she was so different from all of her sisters. Her sisters Mm -hmm. wanted to toe the line, to do exactly what their father said. And she just never felt like she fit in. And so she did feel like she was alone. She did feel like, you know, she wanted to get away, you know? And to me, again, she's, she obsessed about wanting this other life. Again, it's all speculation, but I offer that up because I think there's something to it. So, Back to Prince Eric's boat birthday. Out of nowhere, a hurricane hits. Oh, wow. Who knew? I know. Everyone manages to escape to the lifeboat except for Eric because he swims back to the boat to rescue his dog, Max. Of course he does. Of course he does. I know you said you shouldn't fall in love with someone so quickly, but. (laughs) Well, you're also someone who has been known to commit quickly. Oh, no. (laughs) I am. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Now I'm starting to feel a little aerial in the moment. Oh, but listen, if you think that I don't have those traits, you're dead wrong. <laughs> I speak from my own knowledge. Anyway, mm-hmm. um, in the process of trying to save Max, Eric yeah. almost drowns. Ariel's watching all of this. Oh. She can't allow it. So she saves him. She wow. drags him to shore. Okay. She drags him to shore, sings to him. And then before he can regain consciousness... His dog and Grimsby, which is his manservant, arrive, which forces Ariel to dive back into the water to hide before she can be caught. So he, Eric becomes fascinated because he has a memory of the sound of this voice and he wants to find this girl who saved him. And meanwhile, Ariel back in the water is vowing to find a way to join him in his world. So Ariel's mood has completely shifted. She has started acting like someone who is wildly in love head over heels in love and her her sisters rat her out to their dad because they toe the line they toe the line line, i guess they fin the line they swim the line at first triton is excited because he assumes that ariel has fallen in love with some merman oh no but he questions sebastian and of course sebastian because he also crab walks the line right he tells the truth And Triton learns that Ariel is actually in love with one human, Prince Eric. Uh, Triton becomes enraged and goes to Ariel's grotto where he announces, and I referenced this before, that he considers himself to be a reasonable merman as he's rage shouting at her. Literally. She explains she saved Prince Eric's life. Yeah. King Triton says... It would have been better if he had died. Wow. His direct quote? One less human to worry about. Okay. Well, someone obviously, as we knew, uh, did not deal with the death of his wife. No, not at all. He goes on to say, and this is a direct quote, they're all the same, spineless, savage, harpooning fish eaters, incapable of any feeling. Wow. 
wild stereotypes, wild generalizations. And he has to go with the F word. I know. Again, these are his words, not mine. So at this point, Ariel decides to tell him she loves Prince Eric. Triton becomes a 15 out of 10. Oh, no. And says, I'm going to have to teach you a lesson in any way that I think can get through to you. Something along those lines. And proceeds to destroy her entire collection of human artifacts in front of her. Oh. She's begging him to stop. She's sobbing. I mean, this is now at this point, that's just literal abuse. Like, not everything. Like, not even her thingamabobs. All of them. That's the gadgets, the gizmos, all the, it's beyond cruel. It's like he learns that he's lost control of her in the way that he sees fit. So he decides to exhibit his power and control by destroying everything she loves. Wow. To teach her a lesson. And I'm sorry, but that's another example of an extreme reaction to something that she's done that he just doesn't like. And this time it's escalating to involve an act of an act of violence because that is violence. Destroying property, especially when it's property that is is a keepsake or something, you know, sure, it's garbage, but to her, it's a treasure. You know what I mean? Like, I'm sorry. That's very dark. I think that's very dark. Triton leaves. Two eels named Floatsum and Jutsum show up to convince Ariel to pay a visit to Ursula, the sea witch. Ursula is a half woman, half octopus creature, and she ends up making a deal with Ariel. She agrees to transform Ariel into a human for three days in exchange for Ariel's voice, which Ursula puts in a nautilus shell that she wears around her neck. Within these three days, Ariel must receive the kiss of true love from Prince Eric. If Ariel is wow. manages to get Eric to kiss her and it's a kiss of true love, she will remain a human permanently. If she does not, she will transform back into a mermaid and belong to Ursula. Ariel wow. accepts this truly terrible oh. and beyond risky deal. I want to file this under both impulsive and self-destructive in the BPD yeah. list. Because how do you make a man fall in love with you when you can't even speak to him? Well, great question. Great question. Not in a way that you should want to be with that man. No. What is it being built on at that point? Yeah. You can't talk. You can't have any conversations. What are you building it on? And really, like... Thank you for your usage of blowies. You know what I mean? I, yeah. Jokes aside, it's like, what are you building it on? Yeah. And really, now your goal isn't to, it wasn't see if you can learn something about him, about who he is as a person. It's see if he'll make out with you. Yep. Which then it's just the whole thing is built on just being physical. 100%. And we know she needs the emotional because she's been ignored that like she's been devoid of that for her whole life. Oh yeah. hundred mm-hmm. percent. So 
Ursula takes her voice. Of course. But she's given her human legs and gets taken to the surface by Flounder and Sebastian. Eric finds Ariel on the beach. She obviously can't speak. Yeah. But he takes her to his castle, unaware, of course, that she is the one who had rescued him earlier. They can't communicate through talking, but somehow they spend time together. And at the end of the second day, they almost kiss. Wow. Yeah. Okay. Which I don't know. But they get thwarted by the eels, floatsam and jetsam, because of course. Ursula doesn't sign deals that she can't win. Oh. Ariel's too naive to know this. But obviously, Ursula sees that she got near success, so sent in the eels. And then at that point, she realized, well, I'm going to have to kick things up a notch because she's almost succeeding at this whole thing. So Ursula disguises herself as a beautiful young woman named Vanessa. Oh, who appears no. on shore singing using Ariel's stolen voice. Stop it. Because she knows that Eric will recognize the song. Of course. And then he's just going to assume that's who saved him. And then automatic boner for that girl. Yep. Ignore the girl he almost kissed. And to ensure that that will yeah. work, Ursula also casts a hypnotic enchantment spell on Eric. Because she doesn't sign a deal she knows that she's, she's going to lose. Exactly. Yep. So the next day, Ariel discovers that Eric is set to be married to Vanessa that same day. And can I just married? say very quickly? Yeah. Can I say very quickly? Like, I know that this was a different time, but planning to marry someone within the first 24 hours of meeting them should have set off some alarm bells for someone in Eric's life. Like, where, where was he? Grimsby in all His of this? His manservant. Exactly. Where is he? They know that Prince Eric was extremely romantic, extremely picky, was not just going to settle for anyone. And then all of a sudden, out of nowhere, he's like, hey, this woman I met three hours ago, we're going to get married today. That's like, how did Max respond to her? Because, you know, dogs sense they hated her. Well, and why didn't that raise an alarm bell to anybody? Why is nobody having any sort of real talk conversation with Prince Eric? He's a he's a prince of the people. He's helming ships. You can talk to him. This I'm I'm hoping this is going to a better place than where it well is going. It doesn't, it doesn't, honestly. Oh, okay. So Scuttle, obviously yeah. remember ariel's seagull friend happens mm-hmm. to discover that vanessa's true identity is ursula so immediately oh. finds ariel and tells her she makes her way to what has been described as a wedding barge from the photos i saw it looked kind of like a simple boat with a tent on it but okay. i guess i don't know i wouldn't personally want to get married on a barge but maybe that's all they could get on short notice i don't know scuttle disrupts the wedding with the help of a bunch of various sea animal friends and in the chaos of that the nautilus shell around ursula's neck which contains ariel's voice gets destroyed oh okay so that restores ariel's voice back to her and it breaks ursula's enchantment spell over eric in this moment eric realizes that Ariel is actually the girl who saved his life and he rushes to kiss her, but it's too late because the sun is setting on the third day and Ariel transforms oh. back into a mermaid. He's it's 
you know, seconds too late. Now, I just have to say, I have seen footage of what happens in this moment. And Ursula basically has transformed back into her normal self, half woman, half octopus. Sure. And she pulls herself across the deck of that boat. And it is chilling to watch. She's literally, it's like the stuff that would give a child a nightmare. She's pulling on her like forearms, but then like her big tentacles behind her are just like waving and and dragging at the same time. Right. It's just unsettling. It's something I can't unsee. Do you know what I mean? Right. It's like if I close my eyes. I mean, that is, it. it is something that we deal with doing the show when we do the show. Yeah. It's just an unfortunate side effect. It's a cross to bear for sure. Yeah. Yeah. It was mm. awful. Um, so anyway, she grabs Ariel, jumps back into the ocean as if Ariel hasn't gone through enough at this point. My God. But in the meantime, Sebastian, sure, he's a yes man, but he ran to tell Triton what was going on. So once Ursula okay. and Ariel go through the water, Triton's waiting. Great. He demands Ursula release Ariel, but she explains that the deal Ariel made with her is irreversible. Mm. Ursula's urging Triton agrees to take Ariel's place, giving up his trident to her, which is, of course, all of his power. Wow. Okay. Yeah. So Someone's for a really deadbeat up dad, to be a father. Yeah. Yeah. Ariel is released as Triton transforms into a polyp. And Ursula declares herself the new ruler of Atlantica. Now, I have to say, wow. this moment had to be extremely depressing for Ariel if she ever stopped to think about it or reflect on it. Because it's proof that she was just a pawn in a much larger game for Ursula. Like, Ursula didn't care about Ariel or her beautiful voice or whatever. Right. Ariel was just a means to an end for her. So why did Ursula so desperately want to take this position from Triton? Was she simply power hungry? Maybe. But is it also because multiple sources have confirmed that Ursula is actually King Triton's sister? No way. Yeah. Oh, I thought you were going to say she was the nanny. No. Okay. (gasps) Someone got passed over for the throne. So, when Ursula and Triton's father, Poseidon, died, the pair were given equal share of the sea plus two magical items. Triton received the trident, while Ursula received the magical Nautilus shell. The two were supposed to rule the seas together. However... Ursula's greed and use of dark magic to try to usurp Triton led to her getting banished. It's unclear who exactly their mother was, but there's rumor it was Amphitrite. Amphitrite? However, there's no record of when or how she died, if she was involved in these decisions or not. There's really not any information about her in regards to Ursula and Triton. So it's said that Ursula once lived in Atlantica and was made queen by her brother, King Triton. However, 
she was banished, along with their other younger sister, Morgana. Oh, there's a third sibling. Mm -hmm. Well, so Ursula and Morgana were banished because of their cruel ways. And because of that, that's the reason why Triton's wife, Athena, became queen. So it was supposed to be a queen and a king that were not married. But because they got banished, his wife became queen. Okay, yeah. And yes, there's a third sibling who I will get to in a minute. So even though Ursula was banished because of her own bad behavior, sources say that King Triton was horrible to her. Horrible. And that doesn't surprise me, knowing Uh, what we know about about him. The only person, it is reported, who was ever kind to Ursula was Queen Athena, Triton's wife. Of course, of course. But Ursula had such a grudge against Triton, she was willing to do absolutely anything to get back at him. Like killing Athena? Uh Uh-huh. Some sources say that the pirate ship that killed Athena was actually controlled by Ursula. There was no pirates involved at all. Well, that would explain why they supposedly all died, but yet someone was like, it wasn't our fault. Wow. Okay. So she was willing to kill the one mer person who was ever nice to her in order to get back at Triton, which to me is like psychopath level, no remorse or empathy level. Right. Now, my question is, where was Morgana in all of this? Was Ursula really working alone or was Morgana her accomplice? And why, if there were three siblings, did Poseidon only give powers to two of them? Oh, that's a great point, right? So I dug into Morgana. Of course you did. Morgana is very thin and slender. She looks more like a squid than an octopus, but she does have eight tentacles instead of six, like a squid would have. Interesting. She is younger than her sister, Ursula, and her skin and the undersides of her tentacles are green instead of purple like Ursula's are. She has green eyes, red lips, a mole on the left side of her mouth, and her hair is longer than Ursula and has pink streaks. Now, when Morgana was young, she was often criticized by their mother for not being as talented as Ursula. Her mother Mm. apparently openly preferred Ursula. It's unclear about the banishment about where Morgana came in. Some sources say she was, others say it's unclear. Sebastian the Crab did refer to her once as Ursula's crazy sister, which makes it seem like she had probably done something in the past to earn some level of notoriety. Despite not being as talented as her older sister Ursula, Morgana is almost just as evil. And make no mistake, she Mm. absolutely hates being compared to Ursula. Morgana is deceitful, threatening, and ruthless while still having a massive inferiority complex relating to Ursula. Morgana lacks her sister Ursula's deviousness and subtlety and is also not as good at using potions as her sister. Morgana does have a funny, though malicious, sense of humor and, like Ursula, has cannibalistic tendencies. Oh, Boy. Ursula was once documented as eating a small sea creature alive. Wow. Sick. 
sick. Wow. Though Morgana's personality differs, she does have the same objective as Ursula, which is to get Triton's trident and rule Atlantica. Right. But Morgana is driven more by the desire to accomplish what Ursula might not have done rather than trying to get her own revenge on Triton, if that makes sense. Right. Many feel she's not as interesting as Ursula, but despite this, she is just as cunning, if not more so than Ursula. Uh, and I know that that still leaves many unanswered questions, but that of is course. all that I could find about her and does leave a little bit of context about her nonetheless. So back to the case. At this point, Triton has taken Ariel's spot, turning him into a polyp. Ursula has gotten his trident, but before she can use it, Eric intervenes with a harpoon. Ursula tries to kill Eric, but then Ariel intervenes, and that causes Ursula to inadvertently kill her beloved eels, Floatsam and Jetsam. This wow. rages Ursula, enrages her, and she uses the power of the trident to grow to a monstrous size, like a Stay Puft Marshmallow Man style. Wow, size. okay. So Ariel and, and Eric reunite on the surface of the water just before Ursula grows and towers over them. She then gains full control of the entire ocean, creating a storm and bringing sunken ships to the surface. Just as Ursula is about to kill Ariel, Eric commandeers a wrecked ship and kills Ursula by impaling her with its splintered bowsprit. Sailing term side note. <laughs> I like it. The bowsprit of a sailing vessel is a spar extending forward from the vessel's prow. The prow, from the French word prou, is the forwardmost part of a ship's bow above the waterline. The terms prow and bow are often used interchangeably to describe the most forward part of a ship and its surrounding parts, which leads me to the question of why would anybody ever use the word prow when you could just say bow and everyone knows what you're talking about? Anyway. Yep. Mm-hmm. Ursula is now dead, killed by Prince Eric. Triton oh. and all of the other polyps in Ursula's garden revert to their original merpeople forms. It's a beautiful sure. thing. In this moment, Triton realizes Ariel truly loves Prince Eric. And so mm -hmm. Triton willingly changes her from a mermaid to a human permanently and approves her to wow. marry Eric. They then wow. get married on a ship. So let's just remember that at the time of their wedding, Ariel and Eric have seemingly never had a real conversation. Ariel has had to give up her entire life and literally change everything about who she was, including her species, in order to be with him. Oh, yeah. oh well, she's 16 years old. Wow. She's too young to be making those kinds of decisions. I don't think anybody should be deciding at age 16 no. those kinds of, you know, what she's right. going to do for the rest of her life, who she's going to be with for the rest of her life. And my question is, why was there no discussion of Eric becoming a merman? For them to be together that way. Why did she have to become a human? That's a great point. Regardless. Because Eric, Triton doesn't want someone. He doesn't want nobility in the sea to take his place. Mm, good point. Mm -hmm. Very good point. Well, and buckle up for this detail. At the end of the wedding, Ariel hugs King Triton and tells him that she loves him, and he does not respond. Oh, my God. 
heartbreaking. Just be a father. Be a dad. Be a dad. Be better. Okay. Two years after they get married, Ariel and Eric have a daughter named Melody. When Melody was first born, a party celebrating her birth was interrupted by none other than Ursula and Triton's vengeful sister, Morgana. Oh, she attempted to feed baby Melody to her shark named Undertow to try and force Triton into giving her his trident, but she failed. As she escaped, Morgana threatened to return and have her revenge on everyone, but mainly Melody, the baby. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Twelve years later, Ariel is now 30 years old and orders her daughter Melody never to go into the sea. Oh, well, if this isn't an interesting web we weave. The cycle continues, yeah. But Melody disobeys Ariel because the apple never falls far from the tree. Mm -hmm. Morgana Mm -hmm. sends Undertow her shark and her manta rays cloak and dagger to bring Melody to her lair. When Melody arrives, Morgana offers her a plate of dead sea creatures to eat. Literal cannibalism. Um, It's just this family. Anyway, mm. I don't know if that was a power move. Anyway, it doesn't matter. It's just truly chilling. Right. So she then transforms Melody into a mermaid using Ursula's last magic potion. Because Morgana's not really good at potions on her own. Right, right. Morgana then turns on the fake tears and lies to Melody that her trident was stolen. Obviously, this is referring to King Triton and his trident. Right. And she tricks Melody into stealing it back for her. From her own grandfather that I guess Melody has no relationship with or any knowledge of. If she's not allowed to go near the water, how's she ever going to see him? A hundred percent. And so my question is, did Ariel set a boundary because of her relationship with Triton? Did Triton disown Ariel after the wedding because she was a human and ultimately his views wouldn't change? Or was this to protect Melody? Because when that birth party happened, Morgana promised revenge. So then they say like, well, we have to keep separate for the sake of the baby. I don't know. Long story short, Melody ends up going. She gets the trident from Triton. And that's when Ariel catches up to her and explains that she had lied to her for her whole life to try and protect her from Morgana. Doesn't go over well with Melody. Of course not. Of course. A big battle ensues. Ultimately, the trident ends up back with King Triton, who imprisons Morgana in a small iceberg. And as she sinks to the depths of the sea to never be seen again, still alive inside. Oh, while sinking. She was last heard whimpering the word. Mommy. Oh, because at the end of the day, Morgana was just trying to get her mother's approval. She just wanted her mom to love her as much as she loved Ursula. And Morgana was driven to do absolutely anything it took just to try and attain that love and acceptance from her own mother. Wow. I just think this is such a sad story all around of what I think has got to be one of the most 
dysfunctional families I have ever heard about. A hundred percent. I mean, I mean, at the end of the day, just love your kids, folks. Love your kids. Love your kids. Just, it is really easy to do that. And it's really easy to love them equally, you know, instead of like continuously favoring one to the point of being detrimental to the other's mental health. Yeah. hundred percent. So that's what I got for you. That of course is the tale of Ariel princess of Atlantica, AKA the little mermaid. Um, it was truly a joy researching this case, even though I will say that there was parts of it that chilled me to my core that will always be with me. Um, but well, it was thank a, you for your a pleasure. Research. Yeah, it was. You're welcome. It was eye-opening. Um, I'm sorry for the things and the footage that you had to witness. That's okay. To be able to bring us this story. Um. Uh, well, I mean. I just find in the end that I'm just feeling so bad for the sisters who didn't get the love or attention that they really needed, both the ones who turned evil and then the other ones who basically just raised themselves. Um, Yeah, because the other thing to remember is Ariel's the one who got out. The rest of them didn't. Right. And I couldn't find any sort of follow-up information about them. Oh. I mean. Yeah. It's tough. Heavy, heavy stuff. Heavy yeah. stuff. You know? Heavy stuff. Mm. But thank you, dear patrons, for listening to this inaugural episode of True Crime mm-hmm. and Fairy Tales. We hope you enjoyed it. We so appreciate you being here on Patreon. And um, we hope you'll join us again for another episode of True Crime and Fairy Tales um, when we discuss uh, another true crime case um, that some may know, some may not, but I'll always find the details that will truly shock us all. Yeah. Do you want to say goodnight to the people? Good night, people. Good night, everybody. Audible is the destination for thrilling audio entertainment. Allow your imagination to be piqued by stories that are brought to life through captivating sound design, eerie soundscapes, and dynamic performances. As an Audible member, you'll be able to keep your heart rate up month after month because you can choose one title a month to keep from the entire catalog, including the latest bestsellers and new releases. If you're in the mood for a shocking psychological thriller, check out None of This is True by Lisa Jewell. Embrace brand new exclusive thrillers from best-selling authors who are guaranteed to keep you gripped. New members can try Audible free for 30 days. Visit audible.com slash thrill or text thrill to 500-500. That's audible.com slash thrill or text thrill to 500-500.